after that uh, silent slide presentation, I thought maybe I'd give you a silent sermon this morning. <laughs> Somebody say amen. <laughs> All right. Now, a few years ago, we visited our daughter in uh, Germany. Her husband's in the Air Force. And um, we, we spent a few weeks. We, we visited six countries while we were there. It was really uh, pretty cool. And one of the highlights for us was uh, Ireland. Uh, one morning in our southern Ireland, we uh, took a hike. It was at uh, one of the top ten most deadly tourist destinations. The Cliffs of Moher. Uh, they're, they're spectacular. You, you might have seen them if, if you've seen movies. Uh, they, they appear every once in a while. If, if you've seen the Guns of Navar- Navarone, they were in there. They were the in uh, Princess Bride. They were the uh, Cliffs of Insanity. <laughs> if you've seen that, you, you know what I'm talking about. Anyway, you can hike along the, uh, the cliffs. There's a 13-kilometer trail, and... Uh, Many have died on these cliffs. As, as, we, as we started our hike, there was, there was a big memorial, a big stone that said, in memory of all the people who've lost their lives at the cliffs of Mower. And uh, you know, one, one of the reasons, I think, is that uh, there, there are two trails. There's, there's the official trail. Say, so here's the cliff. The official trail's way over here, but then there's the uh, seaside trail which is right on the edge. Sometimes, sometimes the trail took you just uh, within inches. And uh, the spooky thing was when we started, it was real foggy, so you couldn't even tell that there, there was this, this void there, you know. But uh, there's a fence you had to jump. If you wanted to get f- from the official trail to the uh, seaside trail, it was tempting. In fact, I think probably three-fourths of the people who were taking this hike had jumped the fence, and they, they were on this, this trail. And uh, I've, I've read that uh, there, there's some spots on that trail where the, the ground is, is crumbling. And uh, it's kind of, a, kind of an interesting thing. You know, I think that uh, it's a true test of character because so many people jump this fence. It's, it's just so tempting you know, easy to, to abandon your uh, law-abiding uh, nature and, and go with the crowd. Well, I think this provides a, a good analogy for our uh, spiritual lives and our, our walk with God. You know, how easy it is for us to uh, get off the path that he has set for us. So easy to uh, rebel, you know, go the way of the world and you know, perhaps lose our uh, secure standing, you know, the, the solid rock, which is Christ. You know, we live in a, a perilous world, and uh, how easy and how tempting it is sometimes to, uh, to turn from God. And, uh, you know, maybe, maybe we feel that our, our sins aren't any big deal. You know, they don't affect anyone else. Uh, you know, maybe sometimes we live as if there is no God, uh, virtual atheists or virtual ag- ag- agnostics, you know, maybe we're not living the, uh, the abundant life that Jesus came to, uh, to bring to us. You know, this, uh, this abundant life from Christ requires us to uh, present ourselves to God, to walk with him. And we, we know from reading Micah, the prophet Micah, that uh, 
God requires us to, uh, to walk humbly with him. What does that mean? How do, we, how do we walk with God? You know, the Bible talks about many people who, it says, walked with God. You know, in Genesis, we read that Enoch walked with God. And the phrase walking with God describes a life of uh, faithfulness and, and obedience to God. We, we read that Noah walked with God. And the people at the time of Noah are said to have uh, corrupted their, their way on earth, but, but Noah walked with God. He, he was different. His, his way was uh, not corrupted. You know, his, his way was right because it was God's way. And uh, something interesting about uh, Noah and Enoch's walk with God was the uh, grammatical form of that word walk in, in the Hebrew. It's uh, in, in the uh, Hittpael form, which really it, it means he, they, they walked around with God. You know, it, instead of describing a, just a single path that he was on every once in a while, it was more of a meandering walk. In other words, they lived with God in God's presence all the time, you know, consciously dwelling in, in God's presence. And so, uh, you know, maybe, maybe our walk with God should be like that, more of a uh, meandering path, you know, hanging out with God wherever we go, being in his presence. And, uh, you know, the, the enjoyment is, is in the company we keep, right? So, if we're walking with God, we're going on the right path. We're on his path. Uh, you know, there's several others in the Bible that walked with God. Uh, Samuel says that about him, Solomon, David. Uh, God told Solomon that, that his father, David, had, had walked with him. He'd, he'd walked in his presence with, with integrity of, of heart and, and uprightness, it says. And even these godly men who walked with God sometimes got off the path. We, we know about David, went his own way. Well, we're going to cover uh, Psalm 26 today. And in this psalm, we, we see David presenting himself to God. We see David wrestling with what it means to, to walk with God. And this psalm contains uh, three movements which are organized according to time, past, present, and future. That makes sense, right? When we, when we think of walking, you know, there's where we've been, there's where we're at right now, and where we're going And, uh, you know, normally we think of it that way, uh, our walk. In these movements, I'd like to pull out three things which uh, characterize a, a right walk with God. We should walk with God in submission, separation, and, and your notes say confidence. I was trying to come up with, with uh, an S word. It actually came up with a couple of them this morning, but I'd already sent these notes in, you know, security, surety, you know, surety, the, the state of being sure. But I, I still like confidence, even though it's a C word, not an S word. Well, the first four verses of this psalm, Psalm 26 and David's life, show an attitude of, of submission to God. Let's read those first three verses. Vindicate me, O Lord, for I have walked 
in my integrity. And I have trusted in the Lord without wavering. Examine me, O Lord, and try me. Test my heart and mind. For your loving kindness is before my eyes, and I have walked in your truth. You know, a walk of submission is a, a walk of faith and trust. Now, this word that's translated vindicate in, in the Hebrew means to, to judge. I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible. Some of your versions, some of your translations may, may render it as, as judge. But what, he, what David is saying is, Lord, you be the judge. I, I've lived in integrity. I've lived and walked in integrity, but you be the judge. I've trusted in you. The psalm doesn't tell us what the circumstances are here. You know, he sounds kind of like maybe he's a little bit uh, defensive. You know, perhaps he was experiencing uh, some sort of adversity and uh, maybe people were telling him, you know, the problems you're having, just like they did with Job, maybe the problems you're having is they're, they're a result of something you did wrong. Maybe there's sin in your life. You know, and maybe he was having such thoughts himself. You know, if he was experiencing experiencing adversity maybe maybe he was asking you know what what have i done to deserve this but he says i've walked in my integrity he's not claiming that he's been perfect that he he's you know achieved a state of uh, sinless perfection when he says this you know this, this word for integrity uh it, it describes a, a balanced and a blameless life you know a life that's uh, in order and in, in thought and in deed uh, nor is he taking personal credit for this this blamelessness. He places he places his uh, claim on his unwavering trust in God. You know he acknowledges that his faith in the in the Lord is, is the basis of his integrity. You know he's able to stand before a righteous God and say, "I have walked in my integrity." This is a pretty bold statement, I think. But when we realize that the foundation for this boldness is his partaking in God's own righteousness, you know, we see that our, our, we realize our righteousness does not come from ourselves. It comes from, from the Lord. It, it comes from, a, from our faith in, in a faithful God. Do you remember uh, what, what the Bible says about Abraham? It said that uh, he believed in God. He believed God and that was counted to him as righteousness. So David's making this same claim for himself. Faith in God requires submission to God and the result is righteousness. That's how David can say, I've walked in integrity. And by trusting in God, we submit ourselves to him. You know, faith requires us to submit our our will to God to his will. And notice what David says next after he makes this statement. He says, examine me, Lord, and try me. Test my mind and heart. You know, David is being very transparent here and he's subjecting his thoughts, his actions, this statement that he's made to God's standard of of righteousness. You know, having said that he walked in his integrity, now he's asking, Lord, is this right? Am I, am I wrong? You know, am I, am I fooling myself? Is there anything in me which is displeasing to you? I, I want to know. I want you to take care of it. 
You know, David's asking God to put him to the test. He's, he's, he's calling on God to examine his thoughts, his, his actions, his motives. You know, he's, he's inviting God to remove any impurity from his heart. In, uh, in Zechariah 13.9, you could, you could look that up later, uh, the, the same terminology is used for uh, God refining his people as one refines silver and gold, heating it up to a, an extremely high temperature so that the impurities float to the top and could be skimmed off from the, uh, the molten metal. So he's asking God to uh, put him to the test, make him pure in the same way gold and silver is made pure. So David's not relying on his own resources. He's relying on God. He's, he's walked in integrity and blamelessness because he has relied on God. He's, he's utterly submitting himself to God, full surrender. You know, sometimes we can believe that we are right, right? A lot of us have that tendency where we're, we're right. We're always right. Amen. Okay. You know, that we've walked in our integrity, you know, but sometimes the fact is our righteousness is, is self-righteousness, not God's righteousness. Sometimes our integrity is self-integrity. We're, we're, we're fooling ourselves. Sometimes we have rebellious hearts, uh, refusing to listen to God, but David's not doing this. He's subjecting himself, submitting himself to the Lord's test. He knows God is loving, or he knows that God loves him. He, and he loves God. You know, he, he says, your loving kindness is before your eyes. This word for, for love that he uses here sometimes is translated loving kindness. The, the Hebrew word is chesed. Maybe you've heard of that word. When in, in seminary, some of the younger guys had it tattooed on their, their forearms, has said. And it, it uh, signifies a fiercely loyal love. It's a, it's a covenantal love. It's, it's a love of promise. It's a love that one doesn't go back on. It's the kind of love that only God can exercise in a, in a consistent way. You know, David knows that God is true to his promises. He's faithful. He says, I've walked in your truth. I've, I've set my path by your truth. I've set my path by your love. So David's submission to God is really a, a matter of heart, mind, motive, action. And they, next David looks at his, his present walk with God. Addressing his own holiness before God, being separated from sin and separated unto God. Verses four through eight talk about this separation from from sin. He says, I do not sit with deceitful men, nor will I go with pretenders. I hate the assembly of evildoers, and I will not sit with the wicked. I shall wash my hands in innocence and I will go about your altar, O Lord, that I may proclaim with a voice of thanksgiving and declare all your wonders. O Lord, I love the habitation of your house. This first part kind of reminds me of Psalm 1. 
I love the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. Uh, Do not take my soul away along with sinners, nor my life with men of bloodshed, in whose hands is a wicked scheme and whose right hand is full of bribes. So David's walking with God in separation. That first aspect is separation from sin. You know, he, he tells how he's not been numbered among the ungodly. He, he doesn't join in with, with people who are, are liars. He doesn't share in the hypocrisy of pretenders, you know, people who, who claim one thing but do another. You know, maybe, maybe uh, sometimes people go to church and they're very, very religious but don't know God. These are, these are the kind of people that uh, Jesus spoke harshly to and against. What did he call them? He called them uh, hypocrites. Remember what he said of the scribes and Pharisees? He, he, this was kind of rude. He says, uh, you're like whitewashed tombs with outwardly, or which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. And... Uh, you know, we're good at looking at outward appearance, aren't we? And I think sometimes we're, we're easily fooled. But God's not. He, he knows what's in the heart. That's what's important to him. You know, he, God places a high value on integrity and truthfulness and transparency, genuineness. David goes on to address evildoers and, and the wicked. He says, I'm not like them. They're, they're liars, they're, they're phony, they're, they're evil, they're, they're wicked. You know, I don't have anything in common with them. These are not people of integrity. They don't know God. They don't trust God. They're rebellious. They're, they're sinful. You know, these are the people he does not want to be numbered with. He doesn't want to be also included in the fate, the ultimate fate of evildoers. He wants to be spared from being swept away with them. We need to separate ourselves from sin. That's what holiness is, is separation from sin, separation unto God, which is our, our second part. But we are to be holy. You know, this, this doesn't mean that we should uh, isolate ourselves, cloister ourselves uh, in, into you know, our, our little community and not get out into the community among the, the lost. You know, we've been given a, a mission to do as the church. Jesus said, Jesus said, we are, Chris, it's okay, I've got a bottle here. We are uh, in the world, but we're not of the world. Excuse me. You know, and, and he's, he's given us his mission. Remember what, what Jesus said he came for? Well, there's a number of things he said, but what I'm thinking of is to seek and to save that which is lost. So, you know, likewise, we've been, we've been charged with uh, bringing the good news of Jesus, the gospel, to a, to a lost and dying world. We, we should be, though, the, uh, the influencers, not the influenced. The influencers of the world, not the influenced by the world. So the... Uh, Second aspect of separation is separation unto God, separated from sin, separated unto God. 
you know, rather than getting off God's path, going our own way, you know, David's concern is, is to present himself to God, being, being separated. He's concerned with, with purity and, and with worship in the temple, praising God and proclaiming all his wondrous deeds, he says. And rather, rather than hanging out and becoming one of the ungodly, you know, he wants to be where God is in, in his presence, in God's house where, where David says God's glory dwells. You know, the, this, this altar imagery that he uses, uh, you know, draws our imagination to the, uh, to the uh, central place of worship, you know, the, the tabernacle in David's day, the, the temple later with, with Solomon. You know, it's a, it's a, a place of holiness and worship before God. You know, this is, this is a place where people are separated from sin, separated unto God, a place of uh, presenting ourselves to God, a place of, of walking with God. Well, how does this relate to us? We don't have tabernacles. We don't, we don't have temples. We don't make animal sacrifices. You know, in, in the Old Testament, this is where God's glory dwelt. This is where people went to meet with God. How about now? What's God's house? It's us. It's not, it's not our building here. It's those who have uh, received the Lord Jesus as their, their Savior. We don't uh, really necessarily go to church. We, we are the church. God dwells in and among his people through the Holy Spirit. And just as David says, I love the habitation of, of your house, the, the place that your glory dwells. You know, we, we should be saying the same thing about the assembly of, of the believers. You know, I, I love being with you guys. I love hanging around with you guys because the spirit of the Lord dwells in you and he dwells in me. This is where his glory dwells. Or, you know, is, is it a place where people's glory dwells? Is this a place where uh, pride dwells? Uh, do you remember when Jesus went into the temple, when he, when he came to Jerusalem and went into the temple? In, in the Gospel of Mark, it says that he just went in and, and he looked around. He doesn't say what he was thinking. Mark didn't even report if Jesus said anything at that point, but he went back the next day and he ran out the money changers and he said, you know, this is, this is God's house. God's house shall be called a house of prayer, he said, quoting from the Old Testament. So, you know, we should encounter him when we encounter each other. This should be a house of prayer. Separated from sin, separated unto God. So having established that he has presented himself to God in submission and separation, David now looks to the, to the future, where this walk is going, declaring his, his confidence in God, declaring his confidence in his standing before God. And so this is the third point, walk with God in confidence. 
or surety or, or security. Verses 11 and 12, he says, As for me, I shall walk in my integrity. He's going to keep it up. Redeem me and be gracious to me. My foot stands on a level place in the congregations. I shall bless the Lord. So David's again reminded of God's love, his, his, his royal love, his hesed. He's reminded of his, his own integrity, his blamelessness, and, and he implores God's blessing on him. So having established his heart and his action in the past and present, he makes this declaration about the future. I shall walk in my integrity. You know, he, he can now and in, in the future with integrity, with blamelessness, he can walk because he's walking with God. You know, he, he fully intends to uh, remain faithful, to remain trusting and he knows that God will provide the rescue when, when it's needed. He knows that God will treat him in, with grace. His, his footing is sure because he stands solidly on level ground. He says, I love that. You know, on, that, on the cliffs of Moher, there, there were some areas where there were rocks and you felt pretty secure when you were stepping on one of those. There was this one woman who was taking a picture of her son and uh, so she goes, okay, back up some more. No, no, more. Keep, keep backing up. And he was getting real close to the edge. Anyway, you know, the, though the crowds are off God's path, though the, though the crowds are teetering on, on the edge there, you know, walking on crumbling trails, and uh, David's... David's footing is sure. He's, he's, on the, he's on God's path. He's on the path of integrity. You know, rather than speaking lies, he's speaking of God's glory. Rather than being a pretender and a hypocrite, he's living in God's truth. He's benefiting from, from God's loyal love. You know, he's, he's asked God to judge him. And so he won't face the same judgment and the same fate as, as the wicked. He's submitted himself to God and God's refinement. So rather than facing destruction, uh, he's going to receive grace. He's going to receive redemption. You know, he's able to walk with God with, with certainty, uh, security, confidence. You know, he, he knows that God alone is, is able to keep him from slipping and falling and he can say along with uh, the prophet Habakkuk, Habakkuk 3, 18 through 19 is beautiful. It says, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deers. He makes me to tread in high places. And if we're, if we're walking with God, we can be sure we're on the right path. So all these, all these men that the Bible says walked with God, how, how can we measure up to that? You know, you read about these, these Bible heroes and 
you know, you just feel like, well, I, you know, I could never, I could never be like that. You know, they're, they're somehow special, but, uh, you know, James says, like of Elijah, Elijah, you know, he was, he was one of us. He was just a normal guy like us. He had passions and everything, but when he prayed, God moved. You know, walking with God in the New Testament is, is called walking in the spirit, you know, keeping in step with, with God's Holy Spirit, living under his, his power, under his influence, every, every step. Again, consciously dwelling in, in God's presence, being with him. Um, and, and, and Jesus told his disciples that this walk would be difficult. He told them, you'll be unpopular, you'll, you'll be persecuted. You know, uh, he, he said that many, many other people, most other people, in fact, are going to be on that wrong path. You know, in, in Matthew seven, thirteen through 14, Jesus says, enter through the narrow gate for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And, and there are many who enter through it for the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life. And there are few who find it. So, you know, it's not necessarily true that there's safety in numbers, you know, especially when most of the numbers are are on the wrong road, going the wrong way. You know, we as humans have been jumping the fence for a long time. (laughs) Uh, and, And the walk without God may be very enticing you know, there, there may be pressure from, from others to uh, get off from God's path and go the, go the wrong way. You know, so we need to ask ourselves, how's our walk with God? How is our walk with God? He's, he's got a plan for each of us. He's got a path for each of us. You know, do we, uh, do we go our own way or do we follow him? You know, do we do we choose to to live in obedience? You know, do we do we declare, I, I have walked in my integrity, but have have not examined God to uh, search and and try our hearts and our, and our motives. I like what uh, Hebrews three seven through ten says. It's a challenging passage. It says, "Today, as the Holy Spirit says." Or therefore, as the Holy Spirit says today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. So, do we hear God's voice today? Do you hear God's voice? Uh, is he is he speaking to you? Do we do we dare ask him to search us and try him, try us? Um, so I would I would implore you. I would implore all of us that we need to listen to him. How's your walk with God? Let's pray. Uh, Father, we can...
be stubborn. We can be rebellious children. Uh, we, we can resist your will. We can tend to uh, leave the God we love as that, that hymn says, you know, forgive us, Lord. Uh, examine us, try us, prove us, Lord, each of us. Uh, shine, shine your light, Lord, into the, the darkest places, the, the places in our hearts that uh, maybe hold things that you find displeasing, Lord. Reveal those to us, search us, try us, Lord. Prove us, refine us. Lord, bring a, a spirit of uh, confession and, and repentance to us. Uh, let, let your spirit, Lord, fall on this congregation and bring conviction. Uh, Lord, soften our, our hard hearts. And Lord, I pray, let this church be the place where your glory dwells. Lord, let each of us walk truly with you in humility and and true integrity. We pray this in Jesus' name for his sake, amen.